it's a system, right? It all works together. So if I jam my big toe and I'm limping on my left foot all day, it's going to work its way all the way up. Then once that's set, manage the psychological and foster them back to the point where they can pursue the thing that they're passionate about. Not just attack where the pain is, but you have to attack everything that's been affected by that. Because we understand the physical and the biomechanical, the psychological is the variable. It's okay that you're not you know, squatting three days a week. It's okay that you're not pulling bars off the floor right now. What we're going to do right now is going to be the things that allow you to do that down the line. It's this idea of dose dependency. If some is good, more is better. It's the Western model. And that's what we spend a lot of our time doing is teaching these people how to stay healthy, not being their crutch to being in pain. More isn't better. Better is better. All right. I'm going to adjust you. I'm going to work on your muscles. We're going to figure out, you and I together, what the real problem is here, and then we're going to solve it. If movement is the medicine, then it's like, let's dish it out. That was Drs. Jordan Shallow and Dr. Jordan Junta. And this is episode 162 of Wellness Force Radio. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent. and Welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. In this podcast, we're talking about why movement is medicine for the body. In continuation with our hashtag Stand Tall series with our partner Intelliskin, we're talking about how chiropractic care timed with smart training can help heal years of improper training and why at whatever age or current condition you stand today right now is the perfect time to begin your new program for the new you. And speaking of the best version of you, this is your breath break. Take a deep breath. It might be the first time today or even this week that someone's giving you permission and the reminder to take that deep breath. And as you breathe in slow and exhale, I'd like to thank our show sponsor Organifi for giving me all this energy today and creating this amazing green juice that I've been posting all over Instagram. I know you've seen it. Let me tell you why this is my favorite greens powder for 2018. First is the adaptogens like ashwagandha. It's been studied extensively for its anti-inflammation and anti-stress properties. And secondly, let's talk about portability. You know, the number one thing that blocks people from Making healthy changes is stacking their environment, setting their environment at home and work for them to win. Well, it's easy to get in your greens when it's a powder, not juice. You don't have to go to the store and buy a bunch of produce. All you have to do is hop over to OrganifiShop.com, enter code WellnessForce at checkout. And because you're part of this podcast with us, you get 20% off. Just use the code WellnessForce at checkout over at OrganifiShop.com. So today's guest, Drs. Jordan Shallow and Jordan Junta, the founders of Prescript movement prescription. These guys are super smart when it comes to the body and training. They're both in their 20s. And you know, when I was in my 20s, I was nowhere close to where these guys are when it comes to knowledge around physiology and programming. I think you're going to have your curiosity sparked where I got to sit with Jordan and Jordan live in person in the studio here in the apartment where they unpacked for us why weight training and CrossFit are similar to therapy and can actually help people relax. Why a burst of strong emotions that come about through intense exercise can be healing the 10 segrity model and how it can be applied in medicine, how to ramp up your training from body weight to heavy lifting from men and women both, and the emotional component, the emotional intelligence behind sports and fitness training, why Jordan and Jordan believe emotional intelligence is so important as it's another lens beyond our physical that creates impact on our body. So no further waiting. Make sure you head over to the show notes page at wellnessforce.com forward slash 162. Learn more about doctors Jordan and Jordan. But right now, let's drop in to this conversation with the docs. Where do you want me to start? You want to bring it all the way back? I mean, there's, 
we can go back to childhood if oh, you want. Geez. This is Juan's <laughs> first man. I love to know the people behind sure. the mission. Like we're gonna talk about your mission. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that you guys have a very serious edge in health, but through mobility, through movements, through strength. You know, I want to know the gist of it all. Yeah, so I was uh, I was born in Newfoundland, so not many people, especially in the United States, know where that is. Uh, go to Maine, get in a boat, try and find Iceland. You'll run into my. I'm gonna be ignorant right now and sure. say I don't know where that no, is. No, <laughs> it's, it's cool, man. It's really remote. Uh, it's an island province off the northeastern shore of Canada. So my sister, all my extended family's there. My family moved, immediate family moved to southwestern Ontario, so a town called Windsor, which is actually a city south of Detroit. So we look north to see the United States where I live. Uh, we kind of tuck underneath that little hand in Michigan. So grew up there all my formidable years. Uh, like any good Canadian, played hockey. And I think I could skate before I could walk. Um, wow. So pursued that. Literally, uh, is that true? Or? Uh, yeah, that's what my mom says. Like your parents <laughs> put your little baby shoes on ice and you... Yeah, I mean, it's frozen like six months of the year. So wow. you got to learn. Pursued hockey, played up to the junior level and then, you know, kind of aged out. But preparing for hockey in the off season. Just got bit by the iron bug. Just really enjoyed training and the and the objective outcomes of like just progressive overload with with weights and wow. and putting on size and strength. And moved out to California after my undergraduate degree in in um, in Toronto, and uh, in doing so, just sort of by osmosis, ended up paired up with uh, a pretty prominent powerlifter. And I got into powerlifting after graduation, so I've been competing now for almost two years. And it's, yeah, it's taken me farther than I ever thought. Your Instagram videos, like, I made me immediately want to go to the gym. (laughs) And I thought that, like, you know, I have a good blend of training. And a lot of people listen to the show, you know, they might not be into powerlifting. But there's so many lessons that you can pull from powerlifting that apply to anything we do in life. Whether it's strength training, whether it's yoga, right? It's kind of like, what I like about you, and I'm, I'm interested to know the other Jordan as well. I see you as this strong man where you obviously has this massive physical presence, but you also have like this deeper side to you that I can tell. It's funny because I think you're, you like, you're be, like a weightlifting philosopher. I think you have to be because <laughs> like we were talking with Alex Vaid about this the other day. I'm like, we just went deep, deep into philosophy. And it's really strange because for the longest time as, I mean, as a, I'm going to air quote meathead as I've been labeled and, and rightfully so to the uninitiated, it's like when you push to a certain limit and Jordan and I have talked about this numerous times, just at different limits of energy systems. I mean, he's his cardiovascular capabilities is like nothing I've ever seen. His ability to move his own body is like, it's poetic to watch. And then you, the, you see the passion come through in movement, which is, I mean, it sounds weird for me to say cross-legged on the floor like the 16 year old. We're bird. sitting like little kids. I right love now. it I love though. This, man. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think for me, it's like, you gotta, when, when no one's looking and no one cares, right. Then you're the only one that cares and you're the only one that holds yourself accountable. It's, it's what it means to you. And, um, I mean, to me, I always go like my best lift and my favorite lift is a deadlift. And it's literally how I approach everything in life where it's like, no matter what happens, you try as hard as you can, you're literally going to be standing in the exact same place you are right now. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a, the, the thought process I had when I first approached my now wife uh, five years ago was like, dude, she's wet. I mean, my wife is. It's like an emotional deadlift. Yeah, no, it's literally, <laughs> I mean, if that's like, if you can kind of, you know, buck up and bite down and just, you know, heels down, chest up against the world. And it's, um, yeah, to me, it's a strong image for me that, that helps me in things like, I mean, pursuing my, I saw my wife for the first time and I was like, okay. And I was sort of told, so she's quite the athlete herself. She's been, there's a book called The Sports Gene um, by David Epstein. He actually references her 
in the book. So she's that's a, pretty awesome to be in your twenties and be. Is she in her twenties? Uh, no, she's a, she's a little bit. Uh, yes, sweetie, she's. Uh, no, uh, she's, <laughs> she's listening. She's, uh, she might listen. Yeah, yeah. She. Oh, shoot, oh God's birthday. Coming Don't up. say her age. Anyways, she's in a book. <laughs> she's in a book. She's quoting a book. That's yeah. pretty awesome, yeah. man. And did you come together with her through your chiropractic training? So you guys met in school. Yeah. But then you and your wife Jordan Shallow. Where'd you meet her at? Gym. I mean, I saw her in school, and then did you hit on her at the gym? Uh, no. So here's the thing. I, I'm not. I'm not too good with words when it comes to the ladies. I mean, really had at the. I mean, had nothing to offer. Have nothing to offer. But um, in a in a in a commercial gym setting, I might be able to squat more than most people. So that was my game plan. She was at a gym that uh, I wasn't training at, and I sort of got wind through the grapevine. So I uh, told my friend, "Sorry, man, I'm going to have to go train somewhere else." I got a bicycle the next day and bike the six miles to the gym and sure enough there she was and I was like all right man you hadn't been on a bike since you were 12 and your legs are tired but you got one you got one chance at this so yes I just put plates on the bar until she she kind of noticed so let me get this straight dude you're, you're squatting in the like 24-hour fitness yeah. and you just kind of look over the corner of your eye and you notice that possibly she's looking at you and that's was, she was at the squat rock right next to me yeah and it was like and again I'm not one to approach and, and knowing she was I mean she was in the Olympics in 2010 she's a two-time world champion in two sport uh, two other sports she's uh, knowing her background going into it I was like if I approach her and like, hey, can I have your number? Like, what's your sign? Uh, yeah. And then again, that's not that's not something yeah, that, that definitely resonates. would not work if you use that voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's just not something that resonates with me. And it's and yeah. knowing how how I mean what I think to be myself a competitive athlete and just competitive from like a mindset standpoint. Yeah. If someone were to disrupt me in the gym, probably not someone that's going to identify with my value set. Um, so I just kept my head down and just kept putting plates on the bar until she said something. Wow, that is like a match made in barbell heaven. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of a better way to really connect with somebody. You know, you're both doing things you love and before I even hit the record button that's how we got connected mm. through the mind pump guys who I love it's like we're all doing things that we care about and then at some point we all look around and say let's do this thing together yeah. let's raise all the boats with the same water that is literally my favorite <laughs> rising tides raise all right? ships maybe that's... it's the, you grew up by water is that why uh, yeah so okay. being an island province Newfoundland is water everywhere yes. yeah Jordan tell the audience a little bit about you man your last name yeah. your passions yeah absolutely uh, my name is Jordan Junta I grew up in Northeast, but the United States. <laughs> so I'm from Pennsylvania. A little different than Southern California here, Northern California where we live. Uh, wrestling's really big there. So that was my main sport, my main training, we'll say. Growing up, my dad, my grandfather was big into wrestling, so a big wrestling family. Is your grandpa the Italian? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. What's it, what was his last name? Genta. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just like mine. <laughs> funny, <laughs> shocker. Yeah, funny how that worked shocker. out. <laughs> but um, kind of like Jordan, my story is the same. I, I started strength and conditioning. I started training for doing weightlifting so I could get better at wrestling. And then eventually there was a point where it kind of switched. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of like this more than wrestling. It was early on. It happened pretty quickly. I finished out my wrestling career, uh, got back to it in college, got injured, got away from it again. And that's when I found CrossFit as I started actually through an old wrestling coach. I found CrossFit. I did it a couple times. I'm like, eh, yeah, that's cool. I guess didn't go back to it. And then as I moved out here for chiropractic school about five years ago, I didn't have time to spend, you know, two, three hours in the gym like yeah. I wanted to. So I just bought a bunch of CrossFit equipment. I would do it at my apartment. I got into it that way, and I'm like, hey, this stuff's really fun. I want to compete in this. So I found a CrossFit gym. I'm like, hey, I'm going to do the Open here, which is the worldwide CrossFit competition. Uh-huh. Did the Open with them. I planned on kind of going back doing my own thing after, but our gym actually qualified for the next level, which is regionals. So they do regional competitions all over the world. 
it goes open regionals crossfit games so it's like the qualifying process so we as a team qualified for that i competed in that and it just it pulled me in because i'm also a very competitive person i'm driven by performance i love i love moving i don't know this guy's seen me work out a lot yeah so um much moving. yeah so i like to move i don't care if it's you know stuff like this just sitting cross leg doing yoga doing crossfit weightlifting squatting i just love it all it's that same mindset man of being driven and i feel like in this world right now one of the most important things is to be driven but also still have your heart open yeah that's the challenge for a meathead philosopher yeah. like you guys <laughs> like you know that we're in this crazy time right now there's so many social trends that are shifting us and kind of ripping people's attention from things they should be caring about they get to care about to things that don't really matter this physical this emotional these are the things that really make a difference you guys you know focus a lot on the physical but i'm curious like from an emotional perspective do you have somebody that you really look up to or respect or how have you done your emotional training in life and then how does that relate to the barbell well, I yeah. think it's I mean, for us, and it's funny, we, we talk a lot about this off air because both being chiropractors and both being what I think to be fairly like proficient in the sports that we excel at, it's it's almost like magicians trying to do tricks on each other. <laughs> it's like we know all the tricks, right? Like when yeah. we talk biomechanics, when we talk injury prevention, I can't say anything that he's he doesn't know already or he can't. Like I, I can learn from him, but we've been around each other for so long that it's like yeah. if I come across something or he come across something, it's like an instant. Like he, we, we, we talk about work we all the time. It. Yeah, exactly. It's almost telepathic. Yeah. But that, what does that leave us to talk about? What is the only variable, right? And you, I, I liked how you you touched on like the. Uh, like the bifurcation into different, almost like I don't, I don't want to use the word cult because I think that has a negative connotation. Well, but everything's like, a cult. I mean, sports are a cult. Sure, yeah. a cult. Anything's a yeah, cult. Yeah, I just think like I just think it's the the monetary aspect of it, right? And we we spoke on this in the past where it's like that's what pulls people. Like I'm a CrossFitter, I'm a powerlifter, and like in the brief history of RX Radio, our podcast, it's like just spending time. I mean, we've recorded at his gym, it's spending time in that space, and like. It's like, oh, they're not so different. They're not yeah. so different, right? They got they got a mortgage and kids and all that. And they're just, you identify in yeah. the passion and you realize that everything else is just an institution built up in a way to make money. But it, when you get to the reduced essence of it all here, because when you push yourself that far, there's there's nothing else that would drive you, right? Like Think about this interview I had with Mark Devine. And when he was training in the Adirondack Mountains in New York, he would go up as a young man and he would get to this physical point where he would push himself so hard that he would like trip out, almost like he was having an ayahuasca experience. Yeah. Because yeah. he would get his body and his mind to that state so far beyond what most people were, where did they ever go? And he would see and feel things that he could never feel if he didn't push his physicality that far. Do you feel like weight training and, and lifting and strength training can push people to that same point? What do you feel about that? I think it can almost be like a therapy or um, a release. You know, uh, I, I coach CrossFit. That's what I do. Is And well, I mean, I'm obviously a chiropractor, but I, uh, I take these people through an hour a day where they get to forget about what else is going on. They don't have to worry about, you know, the, the kids have this going on later tonight or this was a stressful day at work. My job is to come in, have these people forget about all that stuff that's stressing them out all the time and just have a good time, move, take their mind off of that and just... You know, just forget, let go of it all for, yeah. for an hour out of the day. That's why I go to so, the gym. Yeah. The only yeah. reason that I work out, honestly, is because I, I know I've been educated on the aspects of training in both mind and body. But I also just love the fact that I can let everything go for like 45 minutes yeah. or an hour. What are you letting go? Oh, stress, tasks, yeah. incessant monkey mind, sympathetically driven nervous system, everything, right? So I'm getting into this space where... My real work is to get into that space, yeah. even when I'm not there. But every time I go back there, it trains me how to be there again, yeah. over and over and is over. Is it? Again. I mean, I, I, this might be a very powerlifting specific mentality, but like, 
I don't know where <laughs> I go when I lift. Like third attempt stuff, I can't tap into that. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Like I'm starting to cry. Like it's the strangest thing. Like third attempts, it's like I can't consciously tap into that. And maybe it's just a way to like subdue stress. Yeah. But like if I didn't have that, I don't know where I'd be. The thing about powerlifting is it's so concentrated. Like you get a minute for each lift. Like you go up there, do what you got to do. That bar has got to be off the ground or squats adapt. They're off your chest. You yeah. have a minute. Just go up there, do your thing. And if a lift takes longer than like six seconds, that's a long time with a lot of weight on your back. And it's like, I don't think my last three meets, I don't think I've, after my last lift, I don't think I have had a dry eye. Like I've cried after every. Whoa. Yeah. Like, so like almost like an emotional release, like catharsis. Yeah. It's just like, it's just a summation. Like it's a crescendo of like. You train so hard for so long. And again, like, it, like no one cares. No, <laughs> no, but no, it's true. Like it's such that's, a, that's we, true, we, we talked about it last night and it's yeah. like the fact that like no one cares, but you still do it. Cause it's like, I, I mean, with, with CrossFit, with powerlifting, it's like, I'm never going to make a living doing this. I have. And we have a podcast. We have prescript.com. We both run our own practices. I work with strength and conditioning job on the side. And it's like, you know, you're trying to make it in the Bay Area. It's like, I live in the backyard of someone's house in a small little studio with my yeah. wife and dog. Bay right? Area ain't cheap, even if you work at Stanford. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's, you got you to gotta have like a bunch of side hustles to pay. the. So at like the end of the day, it's like you got to prioritize a million other things before you get to that one thing. And it's, I don't know if it's like frustration or where what it is, but like if without that, if that were to ever come out in another medium, I don't know what it would be. Wow. That's yeah. fascinating, man. I can think about moments in my life where back in the day ran a marathon, which I'd never do again because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, it just cru- it crushed my soul. But I cried uh, after I got off the finish line and I also cried at the top of Mount Whitney. So there has been like a few key like physical things that I've done in my life where afterwards, yeah, I've totally shed tears. And I think it's actually pushing the body to a place where it would probably never go most times for like almost like an emotional permission to open up and for maybe any stored bullshit to pour mm. out. Yeah. Have you had that experience? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've, um, so I compete in CrossFit the first time I qualified for the regional competition as an individual, same kind of thing. It's, it's a little bit of an emotional release. I'm not a big crier, but, um, I remember I was sitting in my car and it's all online. You're, you're just updating, updating, updating. It's, an, it's yeah. an online leaderboard. And I was sitting there with my girlfriend and like it finally, settled in to place it takes like you know a couple hours i just felt a tear roll down my cheek <laughs> it was uh not so subtle actually i, kind of, <laughs> I burst into tears yeah uh, but it's i mean I, I get what you guys are talking about it's the culmination of all your training right you've been working so hard for for one common goal and then whether you accomplish it or not this is what it comes down to right thankfully for me i accomplished it <laughs> i probably there would be different tears yeah. if i didn't yeah it's a great feeling when you set your mind to something when it, whether it's 26.2 miles whether it's ripping you know almost yeah. 800 pounds off the floor it doesn't really matter what it is once you put that much energy into something that much focus especially over that the amount of time it takes to train to you know it took you your entire life to, of deadlifting to be able to pick that bar up or you know yes, how, however yes. long that training cycle was to to run that 26.2 and you know for me how it took a lot of determination to be able to get myself to a point where my fitness level was enough to be able to accomplish that and it's it's awesome when you can accomplish something like that so I just think too that the fact that everything we like, there's no, there's no monetary value. I think that's, I mean, yeah, I, college sports to me is a really new experience. It's not big in Canada at all. The pursuit of college sports is a way to maybe a stipend your your college tuition. Like it's it's not 
they're not 110,000 st- stadiums for college yeah. sports in Canada. So moving to the United States and really seeing this culture and now being a part of college sports. It's a money sports, machine, man. But the kids aren't seeing any of it. So the, the right. passion and, and like that's something for me like I identify with because it's like, you know, I see the stresses in my life. But, dude, we're working right now. Right? <laughs> We've had like the best two yeah. days ever. We flew yeah, from LA. But it's like here you have kids who are pursuing education at like the highest level. And, you know, it's, you know this is this is the pressure cooker. The Silicon Valley will make or break you. And at the same time, they're still, you know, they're still in the gym. They're still, you know, they're still trying to get it done. But keep a 4.0 and graduate with that MBA. So it's like I look at that and it's like, God, man. And it's like, you know, they might not be like, you know, ripping heavy deadlifts. But and that's the thing. Even at powerlifting meets, right? Like uh, my last competition, there's a range from guys literally setting world records, like moving weights that have never on this human earth. What was the lift? Was uh, the biggest deadlift that was broke, or the biggest, in my opinion, that was just like just astronomical. Uh, Kaylor Woolham pulled nine twenty eight. And what's his weight? Two hundred twenty pounds. What? Yeah. A two hundred twenty pound guy pulled nine hundred plus pounds. Yeah. And that's yeah. the first time in the world that's ever been done. Yeah. So they've just been shipping the record. So he had it. So when. Uh, I think he had the record already, so he broke his own. But uh, in, a meet, in August last year, uh, someone went 926 or 925. Someone went 926, and he went 927 and he chipped it to go 920, um, 928, 929. This is what blows me away, man. Is like you look at Roger Bannister in the four minute mile. The only way the mind will change is if it kind of gets permission to see it in the reality. And then with the eyes closed, they can create their own. And then somebody breaks another one. So there's a new snatch record. There's a new marathon record. There's a new Olympic. There's a javelin throwing record. No matter who you are as an athlete, the mind has to be changed first before the physical You're, can do anything. He's blowing my yeah. mind right now. I literally, <laughs> like, I've said that's, this in the past 24 yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, it's, um, I don't even know if this was on air or not, the elephant metaphor. Uh, yeah, I think was it was it on air. It's just like somewhere I, along yeah. the way. <laughs> Honestly, we don't know what we said on podcast or just like listened to or said to each other. That's, but like, a, that's good though. That's a good sign. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can like, if you like raise an elephant from infancy in like Thailand or India, what they'll do is they'll wrap a rope around its ankle and drive a stake into the ground. Yes. And yes. then when it gets to be 10,000 pounds, it, doesn't test it, it still thinks that the rope can hold it. Yeah. The human mind is the same way. Yeah. Yeah. This is why we explore so much about you know emotional intelligence. To be intelligent is to have the power. Physical power is something that you train. So how do you guys see this in the clients you work with? Maybe an injury. I know you've had an injury yourself. How does the mind get over injury A, and then B, when you're training with an injury, how do you not fall into the depths and kind of go into the woe is me kind of pity party? I actually just went through this on a very close level to me. Uh, My girlfriend, actually, she had a low back injury. She's been trying to train through it. It's been very difficult for her mentally, but um, that's what Jordan and I do is we we do preventative exercise or corrective exercise to help prevent injury or to, to recover through an injury so you can either keep training or get back to training the way that you were. It's a very mental process. Um, it helps a lot to have someone to keep you accountable, to almost hold your hand through it, and to tell you you're doing the right thing. Yeah. This is this is what needs to be done. It's okay that you're not, you know, squatting three days a week. It's okay that you're not pulling bars off the floor right now. What we're going to do right now is going to be the things that allow you to do that down the line. If you want to go and do those things and you're not ready to do those things, you're going to hurt yourself and you're st- you're going to be out of commission longer than you are now. So it helps a lot to have that person there to to hold you back and be like, let's stay on course. This is what we need to do right now. At this time, we're going to work on stabilizing that low back. We're going to work on strengthening that core in ways that aren't going to put tension on it that are going to keep it injured. 
right? So we're going to let that heal as we strengthen the weak links. And as those weak links aren't weak links anymore, and we're stronger than we were before, and that injury has calmed down a little bit, we're going to start to slowly incorporate those things. So maybe we're not pulling bars off the ground. Maybe we're pulling them off blocks from the knee. Mm -hmm. Or maybe um, we're not doing squats with bars on our back or we're doing a goblet squat for right now. But we're taking load off that SI joint and we're progressing in a way that makes you feel the progress along the way. It's almost like you're earning little blocks of confidence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's piece by piece. It's We're going to start here and yeah, baseline kind of sucks because you can't do much. So it's boring to plank. It's boring to do, you know, these quarter range of motion oh, no. squats plank or can be pretty hard if it's done the right way <laughs> yeah yeah it can be hard it's still yeah. boring because yeah. <laughs> the better you get at it the longer you're sitting there that's true, that's true. but then as we add something in okay today we're going to do glute ham raises okay so oh that's something new that's cool i wasn't able to do that last week right. and now i can do it so that's awesome all right we get through that week the pain's down a little bit all right what we're going to do is we're going to do a single leg deadlift so i'm on the floor i'm hinging at the hip this is kind of cool i'm getting back to the range of motion that i wasn't able to do before and then maybe the next week's like i said it's pulling off the blocks so all right i have a barbell on my hands it's those little progressions and having someone take a step back to look at the bigger picture and uh keeping them accountable along the way yeah man so, harvesting the joy can be the biggest challenge i think for people that have gone through injury i believe you were in a car accident correct yeah oh boy <laughs> yeah, a, pretty no. ser- a pretty serious one i uh, so, i i doubled as a hood ornament for a 91 chevy suburban you literally were on the hood oh yeah i, I was riding my bicycle and I got uh, just girl ran a girl ran a stop sign and just yeah took me out. Um, How old were you then? Oh geez, uh, this was what I was the third quarter. So what, four years ago, three years ago? Yeah, yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, probably about wow. four years ago. Uh, maybe twenty. 23, yeah, 23, yeah. How did that change the way that you look at training? Well, it's funny because it's the best thing that could have ever happen to me. Like Jordan just touched on. You use the word like you know to get someone to stay the course, and it's almost like you think of. I mean, have you ever spoken to like a mountaineer? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I have friends that have, you know, K2 or Summit at Everest and it's like they go with a Sherpa. That's what we do because we've walked that path back and forth, right? You don't want a Sherpa that's like, all right, I think we're going to go left. It's like, oh, wait, you know, it's more, nah, it's fine, we'll go. But it's like the psychological component because we understand the physical and the biomechanical that the psychological is the variable, right? So, navigating and being able to be empathetic because you walked those, those like we've walked that road. Yeah. I think is it's just like a good training program. It's just like, you know, with, with coaching, it's like you, you want to have empathy and not sympathy. You want to be like, there's a difference between me looking at you and going, you know, uh, that must be really tough or I know exactly what you're going I've through. Been right? in your shoes. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we, with what we do and how we train, we're more like, we'll let it kill us. Like we'll, we'll go out on the shield. So it's like when we, when we, I've come back from that and people that's where the buy-in comes from. And that's where the progress, cause there's, there's trust in the, in the process. And I think whether that's strength training, whether that's just trying to get back in shape, you're trying to run a 5k, you got to have trust in the process. Cause you need people that have seen the bigger picture that have, I mean, I don't want to like loosely quote Martin Luther King, but have been to the mountaintop and have seen it and then have come back down. It's like, Hey, here's the path. Here's what we're going to do. And to have that reassurance, I think, is the biggest thing. So, the, honestly, the biomechanical almost becomes logarithmic. And, and if this, then that kind of situation, it's, yeah. it's a lot of input. And then it's just it's just managing, controlling the body and controlling the emotions. I have loved the way we've laced the beginning of our conversation with this, like, emotional fortitude. 
the way that you've we've talked about injury already and like the mindset that's behind that and you know fortifying the body through first fortifying the mind and now I'm thinking about how does all this really relate to chiropractic because there's so much ambiguity out there around chiropractic you know Joe Rogan did an episode with this woman it was like a three hour episode oh, uh, yeah. I think it was last year <laughs> People talk a lot of shit about chiropractors. I've been to some good ones. I've been to some ones where they put like a heated doll on my back and they told me that they would, you know, see me every two weeks for like six years to heal me. And I thought, doesn't a great coach or a great therapist see someone as few times as possible to heal them and put them on their way? So first, like, you know, let's jump in. Like, what is true chiropractic? What is it? Chiropractic is using your hands to heal someone at its the core of what yeah, it, I mean, the definition literally the lot yeah. it's chiropractic is of, all of, of the, the hand, hand right healing through the hands yeah exactly so it's it's physical medicine i 100% agree with you that a good practitioner should use as little visits as possible to get their patient healthy jordan said this before i've said this a million times it's it's teaching someone to fish instead of giving them the fish right you want and that's what we spend a lot of our time doing is teaching these people how to stay healthy not being their crutch to being in pain Right. It's not, you know, I'm going to give you an ibuprofen. You're going to come back in two days. I'm going to give you another ibuprofen or I'm going to give you adjustment. You'll come back. I'll give you another adjustment. Yeah. Right. It's all right. I'm going to adjust you. I'm going to work on your muscles. We're going to figure out you and I together what the real problem is here. And then we're going to solve it. You're going to do most of the work, not me. What I do with you in here is going to have some impact. Yes. But the bigger impact is what you do. You know, the I don't even know how many hours are in a week, but 168. I'm going to say 168. All right. So 167 and a yeah. half hours <laughs> of the week where you're not with me, that's what's going to make a difference, right? Or the things yeah. that you're doing, how you're, your lifestyle choices, if you choose to, to take the stuff I'm giving you, right. to take the tools that I'm giving you and do it is first of all, um, compliance or uh, how you're doing it. Do you it think too. most people actually believe that chiropractors have your vantage point on this? I, I don't I th- think most chiropractors do, to be honest. I yeah, this the, isn't what I've heard from most chiropractors. A, I mean, there's you can either be defined what you by what you do, or you can redefine what you do. And I think we're on the latter side of that, where it's like we're on an edge where you're going to start to see physical therapists and chiropractors because, on paper, from a legal standpoint, our scopes of practice are overlapping. And as mm-hmm. people start to move away from um, the insurance based, and, and honestly, like everything bad, it all comes down to money. If, yeah. As people move away to just like cash-based practices, it's a meritocracy. Then it's like, okay, who who can bring it? And that rack and crack stuff isn't going to fly, especially if in our space where we're trying to deal with people who are more aware and more mindful of like their own their own bodies. It's like they're going to be able to tell. Uh, Jordan made an interesting point about like, you know, the 167 and a half hours left in the week, and then we're not just going to give you an ibuprofen. It's like, no, we're but what we're giving you is still medicine in the sense that medicine so ibuprofen you you leave your doctor's office you have some sort of ache or pain he gives you 800 milligrams of ibuprofen that's an intervention and a dose with what we do with our patients with what we do with prescript.com we're doing the same thing the idea with anything is it's you want to isolate variables and scale stimulus that's that's the name of the game variables meaning everything in your life i mean that's like you know from whether it's a diet standpoint like i've worked with people on their diet and it's like just such a mess their nurse swing shift smoke whatever they don't eat breakfast all right let's i usually start with breakfast let's have this wild intangible variable and give it a concrete value eat pop tarts every day for breakfast i don't care but when you normalize we'll have a value that we can then deviate and quantify then, something first exactly so i think and that's that's the same with powerlifting it's the same with crossfit it's the same i mean basically it boils down to you know uh, as practitioners we have to be evidence-based with the people we see 
they don't do research on the athletes that we work with. They're so high performing. It's the difference, and I've spoken on this before, it's the difference between optimal and maximal. When the high end of performance comes in, when the, when someone's willing to go out on their shield, it's like, all right, man, I'll, 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 I'll march into battle. I'll try and make you that, that unstoppable force and that immovable object, that paradox, right? But I think when it comes to like just scaling stimulus out, you have to you have to use research as a, as a guiding standpoint and then, and then extrapolate out from there. And then that's when your own experience, that's when the patient values comes in. I just think it's, it's just kind of a change in tide. It's, you're going to see that old model quickly fall the wayside. Something I've heard uh, from Nick Bartolota, he's the founder of the Resistance Stretching Association. He also talked to me about this biotensegrity component, which Buckminster Fuller ha- actually started, the biotensegrity and how the body relates to that. body's a column, right? I mean, everything that gets affected on that column affects everything else. The same way that we have a neural lace is the same way that we have our fascia that laces all of our tissue and everything else. I'd love for one of you guys to jump in here because this tensegrity model model, how this actually applies to us living a healthy life. Let's dive into this. I mean, this is fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, like one of my biggest influences in that space would be, I mean, Thomas Myers, anatomy trains. Mm -hmm. I think anyone, anyone who's looking to pursue athletics from a corrective exercise or even exercising correctly standpoint needs to understand the difference between like creating movements or activating muscles, right? Like the bodybuilder that's doing bicep curls is going to end up with a certain... In the squat rack. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like, I I think that's really good because we can know a muscle's action. We can know it's secondary action. We can know it's tertiary action. But how does that muscle play with the other muscles in the chain? And I think anatomy trains and the, the work that they're able to do as far as like giving us a predictive framework to help build off and then understanding that and then applying it, taking that knowledge, taking a patient's input to you, but also taking the demand of the sport and whether that's sports CrossFit or whether that's sports powerlifting or whether it's just everyday life, like life's a pretty unbalanced sport to kind of Hell navigate. Yes. Right? Life is never like template by template based, man. Yeah. So no I think what. that's, that for me is huge. If you really want to have a greater depth uh, of knowledge and give you that predictive value, because I mean, obviously you want to avoid injury as best you can. If you're, if you're going to redline it, it's, you know, that's kind of the, that's the point is to get as strong as you can maybe before something breaks down. For me, it's like <laughs> I, want a, I want a number on the board. That's bigger than the number on the board the last time I was on the platform. When we look at the physical body, this tensegrity model, when it comes to like, you know, actual muscles and tendons and ligaments and bones and everything, our central nervous system, what does that mean for our body in a complete system, you know, as an ecosystem? What is tensegrity in that regard? I think you said it's it's a system, right? It all works together. So if I you know, jam my big toe and I'm limping on my left foot all day, it's going to work its way all the way up. So it's, you know, maybe my knee starts to hurt, then my right low back, because I'm putting more strain on that right side. I feel my SI, so I start to rotate over and I feel it in my rib cage. And then, you know, I'm trying to do some overhead work at the gym, my left shoulder starts acting up. It works its way all the way up. And there's always a consequence to every every action here. So um, same thing goes when we're correcting that, right? So we have to kind of undo that in a way that's going to that's gonna be conducive to how we did it, right? Or those symptoms that we're having. So you have to not just attack where the pain is, but you have to attack everything that's been affected by that in you know ways that will apply to it. And I think that doubles back to psychology because that really separates, in, in my opinion. You read my mind on that one. Yeah. That was exactly what I was Well, it's just, I mean, it's something yeah. that we, we struggle with a lot, being very caused rooted in our addressing of the clients we work with online or the patients we work with in our office or the athletes we work with in our facilities. It's like, 
I need to educate. That's literally the crux of all of this is mm-hmm. to teach them how to fish because it's like when I'm when I'm addressing their left adductor because they're having right oblique pain, I need to explain that anterior oblique sling to them. I need to under, like I need to tell this powerlifter that okay, here's why you're having this imbalance. Or I need to tell this pitcher that it's your left hip flexor that's giving you the right rotator cuff issue because if you a certain d- discrepancy in hip flexion is going to decrease the de- or increase the demand on rotation of the shoulder. So like yeah, we're going to address this because this is the cause your symptom is here so it's like i mean all that's usually the last place it's like the pain is just like a little mirror of something way deeper it's the yeah. check engine light yeah. you don't replace the light you just you <laughs> you plug in the thing into the computer and then you mechanics. definitely don't stick tape over the light either yeah. that'd be fucked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean i think yeah it's 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 a light on the engine it's the last well jordan says it best and i think i've quoted this like Jeez, in front of him a thousand times. So how many <laughs> times? Cool, you get quoted in front of yourself. Oh I yeah, know. and I mean, it's pretty fun. And, well, I, I figured <laughs> yeah. I have to because I, I play it off. <laughs> I play it off as my own when he's not around, <laughs> and its pain is the last symptom to appear and the first one to go away. Yeah. So I think once, you, and I say that to people, and it's just light bulbs, and it's like, shit, man, how come you didn't say that to me like three years ago? I'm dying, <laughs> oh, I'm dying so out here. Good. This yeah. is so good. So then, what's the misconceptions? Like, you guys have done a good job of great job of describing what a great chiropractor does. We also talked about the tensegrity, but what about the misconceptions? All the lies that are out there about like chiropractors are a scam. There still seems to be, you guys, this fighting edge between MDs, NDs, and chiropractors. It's 20 freaking 18, and there's still people that are fighting and saying MDs are the only ones. Chiropractors have snake oil. NDs <laughs> don't know anything. We don't need essential oils. It's like, you guys, we're all on the same team here. Yeah. What causes I, this rift? I think a lot of that, too, is just because the spectrum of chiropractors out there, the yeah. spectrum of beliefs. It's a lot of it's philosophy based. So you uh. could go to me or Jordan, probably get some pretty similar care. You can go to the guy down the street and he's, you know, waving a magic wand over you and saying that you're healed. It's all under the scope of chiropractic. Yes. But the, you don't really know what you're getting into unless you do some research and you understand the way that, that person is practicing. As opposed to an MD, it's by the book, right? You have this condition, okay, this is the intervention, or you know, we're going to prescribe this for it, or we're going to send you the ortho, he's going to do his thing. But chiropractic, it encompasses a lot, and it can be interpreted a lot of different ways, and not saying that, you know, well... <laughs> Uh, objectively you know uh one may not be better than the other Uh, of course my bias i think there's a better way to do it than some other people a more effective way to do it that you're going to get better results from but it's it all falls under the scope of chiropractic so that's there's a lot of misconception on what you're getting because you're getting a lot of different things depending on who you're going to i think they just need to tighten the reins honestly like i think as just like anything where there's moderate and extreme if the moderates don't check themselves within the scope and say that no 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 they're chiropractors they're good they're with us it's like it's no different than religions or it's no different than police officers that is such a good point well it's just yeah i mean like as someone like chiropractic by and large even manual medicine physical therapy osteopathy uh you Jordan's father's a, a do so it's like we fall on a spectrum of left and right and it's so chiropractic, let's say, is left of a spectrum of conventional medicine. But even in that, there are wavelengths that are that are deviating away from that that right or that center point. Mm. So it's like when we're on the fringe more towards maybe the research base. Like I don't like I don't like saying when people come up to me and, and they say, oh, I believe in chiropractic. I'm like, that's great. It's not a religion. It exists whether you believe in it or not. Yeah. It is. Do you believe in gravity? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's kind of the same and that's thing. A, like- and that's it's it's a just you have to start changing the paradigm and it comes back to i mean yeah we we bear the cross of 
I mean, it, honestly, I think it comes back to money again. It, when we're in school, they march. They march through these speakers that come in, and it, you should see these guys. They've been they've been in the game for thirty five years when insurance would pay anything for everything. But right? that's changing quickly. It is changing Especially quickly. When you look at the work of Chris Presser. We had him on yeah. the show, and we look at how all these models are being unraveled and decentralized so fast. Yeah. Everything's changing so quickly. Like you know, five years ago, you guys were still in school. Oh yeah. Okay, so by five years ago, what were they saying that you know now is complete bullshit? Uh, well, it's funny because they, they tell you two things really. Like the the level headed professors will tell you you have to study for practice and also study for the boards. Yeah. Right. So like yeah. I've given answers I've known to be just empirically untrue to pass a test, but there's such a lag time in the in the in the bureaucracy. Of, yeah, of that turnover That's because rate. it takes years, decades to turn a freaking battleship. Yeah. And, and that's what that paradigm is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and too, it's like the United States. There's 17, if I'm not mistaken, 17 or 18 chiropractic colleges in North America. Um, three are in the state of California, making it the most dense concentration of chiropractors in the world. 25% live, in this, live and operate in the state of California, in the yeah. world. And three institutions make it the most dense chiropractic academic state also in the world. So... Uh, California is on the leading edge. And I mean, whether we're a part of that or not, I mean, we're not marching on Washington. We're coming on podcasts and trying to get like the word out there. Yeah. But I think too, like there is a responsibility on the patient, right? I think that's true of anything. Like if, and that's why we get athletes because they do their homework. I mean, I have a Yelp account, but I don't get a lot of patients from Yelp. I get a lot of patients from other patients, right? Uh, It's Mm -hmm. people who that value their body and say, it's like, Hey, this is the only one I got. Right. Cause yeah, you can do damage. You can absolutely do damage. Like when they cited that thing on the Rogan podcast, like that, that happens. There's a risk, right? There's a risk with anything, but it's like, it's the vetting process of who you're literally going to put your life in their hands, who that's going to be when like, and that should be true of anything. Like, I mean, I drive like an 01 Toyota 4Runner. I vet the hell out of the people who are going to work on it. My mechanic is vetted. Who do you like? I don't know. This guy, I'm not going to him. Where it's like, if you're just going to throw caution to the wind, I think that's why athletes are on the leading edge, right? I think is because they have that value. And there's a difference between value and price. And once people start to see that, then they'll start to gravitate towards that That practice style and then ultimately that will that will reign true of the profession the crazy part about this too is like i'm seeing that the majority of pro athletes have probably the best medical and chiropractic care in the world bar none by far uh even in college it's probably 10 times better than the average jane or joe would you say that's true Absolutely. So when we look at that paradigm changing, how do we allow everyone to be an everyday athlete and treat their bodies like the pros do, even if they do have a job where they're sitting at the desk? That's a massive question. We don't have to allow them. They have to allow that to themselves, right? So they have to put that value on their health and their body that they're willing to spend the money. They're willing to take the time, do the research that it takes to take that responsibility. Well, that was one of the driving forces behind starting prescript was i mean it's literally a way to scale that influence outside the geographical bottleneck of our two offices in the bay area where it's like if movement is the medicine then it's like let's dish it out right and it's we operate off kind of two well i mean three major pillars that operate through two kind of avenues i mean it's mobility stability and strength the old model is just you know what's the stretch to fix this and it's like well maybe we're missing the boat and then we get it you know you get them into unstable positions so we can we can train that stimulus of instability that's the rate limiting factor that's you know bottle that or the kind of looping them back to that immobility so building that tributary out of that cycle is i mean for us it's been i mean wildly successful in our own training and being able to 
my estimation, we've come up in our respective sports extremely, I don't want to say extremely fast, um, but we've been able to do it relatively unscathed. Um, and your sport is rugby, right? Strength and conditioning coach for rugby, but powerlifting now would be my my main sport. But you coach and treat athletes uh, for Stanford rugby. Yeah, oh, I'm the strength and conditioning coach. For strength, strength and conditioning yeah. coach. Yeah, um, but yeah, my own athletic pursuit now is, is powerlifting. Yes, yeah. and you are damn good at it too. Uh, I'm looking at the stuff on Instagram, and I'm literally inspired. I'm like, ah, I gotta go to the gym. Uh, I'm watching Jordan lift. But it's just, yeah, it's. I mean, to me, it's just like it's the reduced essence. Where if something in that pillar is off, that 10 second model is off. You're gonna find out real quick. When you grab that bar, like, what's going on in you? I honestly don't know if I could put it into words without bawling my eyes out. And I don't know if the words are Let's there. Let's go there, man. No, I honestly don't know if I've the words in the podcast before. <laughs> I don't even know if the words are there, man. It's just, it's the, it's the summation of like. Uh, doubt and self-doubt and it's just like it's i mean it's the ultimate test i think it's just i think it's the objectivity of it it's not open to interpretation right Mm -hmm. there's no there's judging and depth and you know there's press commands and stuff like that but if you lift with integrity that all that doesn't matter it's it's a number on the board it's really binary and it's it's a manifestation of the work you put in like we're not pro athletes so when he (laughs) trains he was just doing oh, like overhead squats and snatches with like, it's got to have been over his body weight. Yeah. You know, we, we took like a, I took like a half hour nap. We, he slept <laughs> with his head down at a coffee shop today. Cause it's, we got three hours of sleep last night because we got to come here to do this, to pay the bills because you know, we live in the Bay area and we're pursuing what we love to do. So I think when he trains, it's not like, you know, the, the NFL player that has the, the training staff there and the Gatorade Personal there. Personal chef, life yeah, coach, exactly. spiritual advisor. No, I mean, it's <laughs> not that like, glorious. He is literally, he is my life coach and spiritual <laughs> advisor. So I think when when you're getting to the lift and like in training, and we, yeah, it's weird, we were talking about this just in the car where it's like, yeah. you know, this is where you get stronger, where yeah. we're doing this. And it's, and you talk, you said the word mental fortitude, which I love because that's what you're training. You guys make me think of the Invictus poem out of the night that covers me black as the pit from pole to pole. It's what I memorized when I did the 20 X, which is this 14 hour physical crucible with Mark divine Yeah, where it's Navy seal training for 14 hours. Okay. And, um, at the end of it, I was like, Oh, I, I actually can do 20 times more than I ever thought I could. Yeah. And yeah. that might be what you're trying to put into words, that kind of essence that maybe everyone's unique. It's, it's its own definition for all of us. Yeah. Everyone's got their own barbell. Yeah. Whether it's being a great dad for their family or showing up powerfully for their work or their, for their career, for their patients. Like you're the way that I see you lift a barbell and the, the seriousness, but also playfulness that I see from you when you do it. There's not necessarily a branded statement or words that we need to put on it. I was just curious if you could put those on it. No, I mean, <laughs> to me, it's like, and it's funny because that's how me and Jordan really connected was like, I, I was a meathead. I was absolutely a meathead. And like CrossFit <laughs> was the counterculture. Like, but you see him do it and like, it's because his face, like he's killing himself. Like his lungs are bleeding. He's just dying. And I'm looking at that, like, how in the hell? Get down from there. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> but I think to me, like. Thanks, and, mom. Yeah. But we get it a lot, right? Because, I mean, we're, we're with yeah. each other all the time. And I think a lot of people approach us and they go, man, you guys must be so disciplined. It's like, there's no such thing as discipline. There's just love, <laughs> yeah. right? You're going to, you'll gravitate to what you love to do more. Like if you love to eat cake more than you love the idea of, you know, being shredded or whatever, then until that love balances out to the other side of the scale, then th- that'll be it. God, but, yeah. Jordan, this is so 
powerful because like not everyone is put on this planet to be a power lifter to yeah. be a chiropractor some people yeah. are put on this planet so they can be a professional chef yeah like exactly. you know if you're mara batali you're not really concerned with barbell and strength training like that's his love yeah i loved how you said it's not really necessarily discipline it's love that's the deeper core mission. That's the deeper energy. That's the undercurrent of it all, man, yeah. is that you find something in this world that you freaking care about so much that you'd be kind of willing to die for it. Yeah. That's well, I think exactly the, the discipline comes in like not it's, training sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Those, when you yeah. have to have yeah. that person hold yeah. your hand to hold you back, like we talked about before, yeah, I mean, but it all comes, yeah, no, no, go it, for it, it, it yeah. comes back. It comes down to passion, right? What are you passionate about? What would you die for? It might not be deadlifts or, and squatting and bench press, but if it's, you know, cooking, if that's what you would die for, yeah. then, then die for it. Do right. it. Live out your dream. Yeah, find what, yeah, you. find what you're passionate about and do it to the best of your ability. That's, I mean, that's all this is for us. Yeah. It's, I'm passionate about what I do and I'm not going to stop doing it whether, you know, I'm broke, whether my hands are bleeding, whether I slept for three hours, yeah. I've, I've had six cups of coffee today, <laughs> can't hold my hands straight. It's passion on one side. It's also like a lot of people listening might say, Jordan and Jordan, you don't understand. Like, I want to get more into strength training. I want to be more powerful. I want to be a better athlete. But you guys don't know my responsibilities. You don't know how many hours I have to work at my That's, corporate gig. I get that. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be time-consuming, right? I think it all starts up here. It starts between your ears. Then learn something today. If you want to do something, start by learning something about it. Just do one thing. Yeah, learn one thing about it today. Learn one thing about it tomorrow. Learn another thing the next day. And then maybe the next day you try it. And you try it for the first time, you suck at it. And then you try again, you suck less at it. But be persistent. If you really want to do something, do it. Yeah. There's no other way to get, there's no other way around it. You know, it's, no one's going to do it for you. This is why Nike is a multi-billion dollar company because the <laughs> phrase just do it is so freaking true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's always that easy, like for us to say, just do it if you want something, just do it. Because I think the universe or God or higher intelligence, I don't know if you guys are spiritual or religious, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's something out there that makes this rock spin in the universe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Whatever the hell that is. And we're all putting our own definition on what that is. But that's kind of why we're here is to find our mission in this world, in this current time. I know my mission is to speak about conversations that really matter yeah. in both the physical and the emotional. What would you say is your deepest mission right now, Jordan? I think it's just being able to help as many people as possible. Cause it's like, we went back to the, where we talked about the empathy thing before, like when someone walks into my office and it's like, and again, I draw from like maybe a, maybe a real niche demographic of people who identify with that passion. But it's when you see that and you see like what it does to them when they can't pursue it, you feel it because you've been there. Like you've, I mean, I've torn muscles and got hit by cars and all this stuff. And it's like what that does to the psychological, that's the crippling, right? That's uh, there's no, there's no prosthetic for that, right? To quote uh, Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman, right? You, you can't, there's no prosthetic for the soul. So when to see that in someone else and know that you have the, the potential ability or even that they've had the trust in you to come to you, to bring them back to that point. It's like, that's as if I was taking it on myself. That's is like if I couldn't squat bench or deadlift or train, it's like to the end of the earth, I wouldn't go. There's no money I wouldn't spend to get back to be able to do that one thing that I want to do. So I think this is something true of both of us. That's why we started Prescript because we, we can only help so many people in such a finite There's period of time. There's only so many hours in a day. Yeah. So being able to you know, develop these predictive patterns and being able to recognize like where these pitfalls are in people's training or in their lifestyles and then being able to effectively program around that. And then, then once that's set, manage the psychological and foster them back to 
to the point where they can pursue the thing that they're passionate about. That I mean, it's as if every day I walk into my office and some, and it's 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 taxing, man. Like imagine every person you came into contact with was in pain. Right, mm. like every time someone came in here, it wasn't well, happy, I mean, positive. I feel like I contact people in public that are in pain all the time. Yeah. It's the lady in the coffee shop that's screaming at her kid. It's the person that cuts me off on the freeway. I mean, how can pain of our physical body ripple out into the way we treat other people? Yeah. It's yeah. hard to be a good person and, and be loving to others when you're in physical pain yourself. It's such a demand yeah. on mm-hmm. your nervous system. What do you? What would you say, Jordan? Your biggest mission is, and we look at this like you know contribution to the planet. Yeah, it's uh, a similar thing. If I had to put it in a few words, it would be to to help people to make a change, right? I've been in places in my life where I was not really sure what direction I wanted to go. And hell, I might be in that place now. I don't know where I'm going next. Um, But I want to be there to foster people into something that I know about, right? If, If you come to me, you say, hey, Jordan, how can I get healthy? How can I get stronger? Um, how can I improve my snatch? How can I get out of pain so that, I don't know, I can pick up my kids? It doesn't matter what it is. If it's something within my scope, I want to help you do that thing that I know something about that you don't, right? So I I guess it's education. Maybe, maybe that's a better way to put it. I want to spread my knowledge to the people that are willing to take it, right? I can sit here and talk at that wall all day and it's not going to make a difference, yeah. right? But if I can find the people that my knowledge is going to help and make a change in their life and improve their life in some sort of way, even if it's a little way, if it's a big way, it doesn't really matter. That's, that's a pretty cool thing to do. To Jordan's point about like being able to teach and disseminate the knowledge that we've come across. And, and I think we're in a unique place where the knowledge has been, has been put through the forge, right? Like where we've relied on, you know, how many, six months, eight months, nine months. How long were we in a cadaver lab for? Uh, too many Me months. Me and this guy just in a room full <laughs> of dead bodies. Yeah. Hands inside of a dead body. Yeah. And it's like, it's a weird you, thing. well, I mean, but honestly, my, my training exponentially improved from that just oh, being able yeah. to see that. And I was, I was squeamish as all hell. Like you got some <laughs> fresh ones in there. It's like, dude, this guy had like a social security number three days ago. <laughs> oh, and wow. now it's like, you know, you're wrist deep. You know what though? That's just a reminder of, of what's real. And I think people sometimes forget like death is the most beautiful perspective as to why we can show up in love, as to why we get to show up as healthy and as physically and emotionally yeah. powerful as possible. That's if you forget thing. that we all die, if you get scared of death to the point where you don't even acknowledge it, I mean, yeah. how how much did you learn from cutting bodies up? <laughs> a lot, yeah. right? It'll but put then, things in perspective, yeah, that's for sure. But I think, and then just applying it, it's the application, but it's funny you you mentioned like that's the thing that allows us to love and you you touched on the invictus quote have you seen oh what's the movie uh Matt, you're a big movie buff dude i, I am I like I, yeah quotes, no yeah. i just uh it was just it's one thing that really stuck out and um it was a space one uh matthew mcconaughey interstellar interstellar so good so don't go he's looking through the bookcase yeah. and there's the dust yeah. what the fuck but when he comes it's out so with the, that quote like don't go gentle into that good night yes Right? I don't know who that is either. Oh, but that, is a, uh, that is a beautiful uh, one. I, I knew I, it's not Twain. What it's was the take home from the quote, though? It, for you, it's basically like, yeah, like literally, like find something, find something you love and let it kill you. Right? Let let that put you in the ground because, like, yeah. if it's just I don't want to die. Like I want to go out mid set. I want to go out <laughs> mid just just flat line. Just that's the way I want to go, man. Like just out on the shield. Because like, yeah. if I, I mean. Yeah, sure. I mean, health and happiness and old age, but like that's literally the extent to which we, we like are passionate about the things we pursue. And that's why we, you know, we look to disseminate this knowledge and we look to reach as many people as we can. 
if you would have told me a year ago that we would have, you know, owned an, an e-commerce based platform for helping people, I mean, we're in 16 countries across the world right now. And it's like, I'm looking up like these places, like, dude, do you know where this country is? Like, wow. I've never heard of this before. <laughs> so it's, it's really, I mean, it's powerful just to, to outreach your, your geography and be able to, you know, you get these messages from people and it's, it's faceless and it's just, it's just binary code and emails, but it's like, you've seen that face in your office. You've seen that you see the intake form and you look at it and you can visualize how this person moves because you've seen a hundred people that move like this and you've seen the look on their face when you've been able to get them back to whatever it is they're passionate about, whether it is barbells, whether it is, you know, it is running or, 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 um, off school case or just, or off school course or just picking up their kids. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like knowing that on the other end, when you're, when you're working and you establish a relationship with that client, it's like. I mean, that to me is, it's fun. We'll double back to the chiropractor thing. The big sticking point with a lot of people is the doctor title, which again, going back to the Latin definition just means teacher. And I think that to me is, that's it. It's like, you know, we, we learn things and we apply it in a way that's applicable to people that identify with the passion that we pursue. And then by that exclusion criteria, we want to help as many people as we can. Somebody's listening and they're like, I really want to grow stronger. <laughs> what do they do? Like obviously breathing, meditation, uh, emotional intelligence. These are all great tools and they might set you up to train hard. They might yeah. set you up to get in the weight room and be able to do things and knock things out. But when it comes to the first few action steps of somebody truly getting strong, there's a lot of theory out there around just doing body weight sets and not even ever touching a barbell for a first month or two, you know, being able to do 50 air squats, being able to, to bang out 30 pushups, 40 pushups with rigid form, being able to do 10 dead hang pull-ups, being able to run two miles or a mile without feeling like you're gassed out. Do you guys believe in that kind of framework for training when someone's starting out? We're going to have probably two yeah, very different well, I mean, answers I think, I think we should start <laughs> with, a, if we start with an analogous starting point, I think we'll end up in a similar similar place. It's like, yeah. I think if someone comes to, if goes to Jordan and goes, I want to go California regionals or I want to qualify for nationals. No, I'm talking Olympics. about somebody that like literally sits in a cube for seven to 10 hours a day. Yeah. yeah. Well, first you, you just got to get them moving. There's, I mean, there's no way, <laughs> like that's what I said, just do it, right? For someone like that, you should find someone to teach you how to move. Yeah. I mean, it should be intuitive, but it's not. You have to learn these things. Um, that's, again, your responsibility is to learn how to use your body in a way that is going to be good back to you, right? So you're not going to injure that knee uh, doing what you thought was a squat or so that you're not going to get low back pain because you've been running like shit. So it's it's finding someone to teach you how to do these things to bridge that gap from I want to do something to actually doing it but doing it in a way that's going to be conducive to your actual health or or you progressing right I yeah, think that's so I think that's two prong um, I mean if you look at the uh, like the stages of decision making it's like pre-contemplation phase contemplation phase action <laughs> and regression and then um, reaction or something like that which I, is essentially is a smart way of saying do you believe you want it or not yeah and I, I think accountability is big as far as you know having someone to hold your feet to the fire because if someone wants to do something and he's a nine to five cubicle guy and I, when Jordan was speaking earlier about in, in a very PC way as he seems to be the more logical and le <laughs> level-headed of the two about like you know talking about time and like I don't you don't understand it's like no you don't understand 3.30 in the morning exists for people that love to do what they want to do I've closed the gym. I've opened the gym. Oh, yeah. 3.30, 4.30, midnight, 12-hour shift, 16-hour day, international flights. Like, to me, like, there's no excuse. 
But uh, and again, that's that's just me. The, probably the meatheadedness in me coming through. It's it's something that no, I've been I working think, on. I think that's anyone's passion will agree with you. There's yeah. there's someone that has a Forbes 500 company, yeah. and that's because they were up at 3 a.m. Yeah. grinding. That's because mm-hmm. they were doing what they had to do, not what they wanted to do, yeah. what they had to do to make their dream come true. Yeah. So I mean, I think you know, someone. Your, your original question was, you know, someone wants to get strong. I think you to to enjoy the journey, you have to, and that's the thing. There's there's like this common, I don't want to say like myth, but there's maybe fallacy is the right word, but you know, like fitness is, I think maybe even Sal put this up today and, and I totally agree. And, and Sal and, and the guys at Mind Pumper are, are awesome. But I, I think in the pursuit of strength and, and that could just be being a superlative at something in fitness. And that's, it's hard to take that those, that, those filters out of our eyes. Cause that's, that's all we like, that's all we talk about. That's when we wake up in the middle of the night. That's what I think. When I get off the toilet, <laughs> I mimic me standing up with a deadlift. Wow. That, I mean, that is really awesome dedication. Yeah, it, but it's no, it's not. And that's the thing. The it's not dedication. It's like, it's just, it's what I want to be doing it's, all it's the there. time. It's in like, your mind. So it's almost like I'm hearing from you guys. There has to be a decision made before they think about modality, before they think, should I go to CrossFit or a barbell or anything else or just use my body weight? What decision have I made about why I want to do this in the Well, I mean, place? you can try everything. Yeah. But uh, what's the driving force? Because if there's yeah. no, if you go to a CrossFit class and your driving force is not in CrossFit or like, or maybe it's <laughs> like, you know, we, I've, we, he was CrossFit level one coach. I've done personal training in the past and it's like, identifying pain points is, is a way to, uh, from a sales standpoint. Right. And, and I think that's for someone that may not be initially passionate about it. Like you got to get bit by the iron bug, yeah. yeah. but you need to be in a gym to do that. Right. So if that's what it takes, like if you got to grab someone's chair, then pull them close. It's like, listen, you're not going to be able to walk your daughter down the aisle. You're going to be dead. <laughs> if that's what it takes. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a shit thing to hear, but you know what? It's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, man. Like, yeah, it's, it's, you could drop dead tomorrow. And if you don't train to be hard to kill, then guess what? You could be next, man. Like, again, I'm a little bit more on the blunt no, side of things. I think that's a really good point because it's, it's not necessarily what you're doing. It's why you're doing it. Wes Pyatt. Right. Yeah. Remember what he said about being selfish? Absolutely. I yeah, think he, that's resonated yeah. with me ever since he said that. Yeah. Wes Pyatt is, um, <sighs> He's just an awesome guy. He's yeah. he's a CrossFit coach. He's on a level one staff. Um, he's one of those guys that just spreads his knowledge with the world. But um, yeah, he, he wrote an article about being selfish so that you can be there in those later years. Yeah. He he unfortunately lost his parents at um, what was what seems like too young of an age. Yeah. Um, and it was due to health conditions, right? Heart problems, things like that. Things that are, you know, as we know them preventable. now preventable yeah. right so if you take you're selfish and you take that hour out of your day where maybe you're not you know mowing the lawn or doing the dishes whatever it is or you just take that hour for yourself it doesn't have to be a full hour maybe it's a, you start with a half hour and you're just doing something that's gonna make you live a longer life yeah. make you be around those people that depend on you or that love you so you can be around there maybe if it's one year maybe it's five years maybe it's 20 years who knows but you're doing a selfish thing for a very unselfish reason. Yeah, or even so, I, like I, what I took away from it was you'd be selfish not to, right? And because, yeah. like you said, like the ability—I mean, what nine of the top ten—and I could be getting this wrong, and this could be dated—the top leading cause of the death in the United States are from preventable disease, right? I think that's true across a lot of developed nations, and yeah. it's like to—and that's the thing—and you got to appreciate people's people's dedication to their responsibilities as you mentioned right and like their families you don't understand it's like no no no, listen here like and you pull them in close like you don't understand like you don't understand like the the principle of creeping obesity like yeah you put on five pounds this year extrapolate that out over eight years you put on 
40 pounds. Yeah. Right now, now you're at this level of risk for these diseases that'll kill you before you meet your grandkids. Yeah, we're always fighting this battle between the black wolf, the white wolf, and you know who it. wins is this one you feed. I'm sure you guys have heard this. Well, that's Freudian before. ego, super so, ego in the id, right? And even beyond that, too, it's like I've lost 80 pounds of body fat in my life. I know what that feels like, and I know what I was doing to pile up that weight. And for me, it's because I didn't want to lift the emotional issues that were going on. In my oh, life. sure. Mm-hmm. And so when I found found 24-hour fitness and I found the gym and I trained clients and I did all these things for a decade. It was like that became so much of my identity. But when I was really taking the deeper inventory, it's because I was doing it because I was actually afraid of what might happen if I took a real inventory of my fears, the things that I was afraid of in my life. And I was using the weight room. I was using being a trainer to kind of cover that up, Mm, to not actually deal with that. So it took like me getting kind of knocked on my ass, leaving the fitness industry and then getting to a place where I found coaching again online and now doing this podcast where I know what I was supposed to be doing all along. All those hours of training clients and meeting with them and motivating them, that's where I was getting my skill set. I wasn't the best biomechanist. I wasn't the best posture trainer. I wasn't the best trainer at all. But you know what I was really good at? I was really good at connecting with someone, like why they were there, you know, and talking to them and and feeling that kind of conversation. Do you guys address that with Prescript and really talking to people about, hey, we're going to show you the anatomy training. We're going to show you the periodization. Do you talk about the emotional aspect of that as well? A lot of people, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's all right. I think it just comes down to goal setting. And we do address that with our, especially with our one-on-one clients, uh, not so much with some of the other stuff that we do. It's just to just preset programs kind of for specific issues. Um, that are pretty common. But with our one-on-one clients, we will talk about why are you doing this? What is your end goal to get out of this, right? Maybe it's, you know, to set a world record. Maybe it's to deadlift without pain. Maybe it's something in between. Maybe it's to pick right? up your keys off the floor. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> without your back it, hurting, it, right? It, it doesn't really matter where it is on that spectrum, but once we have an established finish line, then we know how to get you there and how to progress you in a way that's going to do that. But I think too, like it's difficult and it only comes with experience of dealing with you know, certain or not certain, a lot of people, like the more people we treat in person, the better we can kind of interpret what we're dealing with when we're looking in front of a screen, right? Like that's why I'll never give up private practice ever. I mean, that's, that's an invaluable tool because that gives me real data points for myself, for preventing injury with myself, for preventing injuries and rehabilitating injuries with my clients online. Like that's, that's tried, Mm -hmm. tested and true information. The final results you can get and the permutations you have to make that scales your interventions based off you know, the demand of demand of the sport and the need of the athlete based on the condition that they're in. So uh, for me, it's, sometimes it has to be subliminal. Like it's one thing to sit in here and read a room and kind of like feel this energy. And it's like, you know, you can connect with people. And that's the interesting thing about private practice. It's like, you know, when, when Jordan sees patients in office, it's not just CrossFitters. Like we're in the middle of Silicon Valley. Yeah. He might, you know, do three, four classes a week, this guy, but he's works at Apple and he's working on the watch and there's a deadline. He's been in China for two and a half weeks. So it's like coming over the top and be like, Hey man, what's your goal? (laughs) <laughs> right but it's like you got to be you got to be subliminal with that's it right that's not going to work yeah no you got to you got to you got to read signs and it's like even the way people word things online like being able to to interpret i think is really big and that's across the board like interpreting research like you can read the bible or you can interpret the bible you can yeah. think a guy lived in a whale for a couple of days or you can interpret like the underpinning story that goes along with that and i think it's the interpretation that you can only get from experience and that's something that 
that's going to accumulate over time. What do you guys feel like is a common thing right now that people believe about either chiropractic or what they should be doing in training that you just hate to hear? Like when you see it in the media, it literally makes you cringe and you're like, I wish I could just change that one thing about how people view this. Jordan I mean, has a <laughs> list of about 40. No, I just, I think it's, and it's something that I, I'm sure you've spoken on in the past and I may have actually, I might even be paraphrasing you. It's this idea of dose dependency. If some is good, more is better. It's the Western model in which medical, uh, Western medicine is built on, I think is, and, and again, I think it all comes down to money, like the way the insurance companies are incentivizing and inflating bills and all this stuff that, um, and money's not evil. It's just energy. So they're just yeah. harnessing these conglomerates well, are trust. harnessing their energy. To me, it's trust. It's Currency trust. is trust. That's a way better yeah. way to describe it. That's the it. way I look at it. And it's you, they've they've wrongfully allocated that trust. And it, from that stems this idea of dose dependency. This is true of me. Like when I was 16 years old, it's like, yeah, I had one protein shake and I put on... And what if I had 10? What if I, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And like, forget but, about my digestion. Yeah, no, forget about it. And it's like, but understanding that, that more isn't better, better is better. Right. And that's the, the qualitative approach that we take and the cerebral approach we take to the programming that we do. And it's identifying with that. And it's being able to say like, Hey, listen, I've, you know, I've torn muscles off the bone and I've wanted to go more. I've wanted to just put the foot through the floor, but it's like having that awareness that comes with experience of dealing with people in that situation and had reading the research and going through the education. It's like, okay, listen, I've been there, but it's time to take the foot off the gas and having that Sherpa that's walked the trail to take you through that path. is yeah. like, okay, there's a, that's trust. And we're wired for that, you guys. Like we have, Jason Silva talks about this. We have wiring in our brain that literally tells us to care for the tribe across from the valley from us. Empathy is built in. It's hardwired. How does empathy build into strength training? Like there's kind of a crew that forms in a gym, right? I mean, you, you care about each other more than just in the gym because, you know, you might go through pain together. Pain forges beautiful relationships. Yeah. I think what do you this think is, about this? I think this is what CrossFit has nailed. Absolutely. That's, I think it's what they've nailed. The, I also think they've used that kind of to their detriment as well by making training and, and periodization not the focus and like, oh, we're going to focus on the community being built. It's like, well, can you put that much focus on the periodization? But are you not? Training? But well, I think I've been in his box and I've had, I've looked through those eyes as a meathead and as an, un, an uninitiated outsider and seeing what they do and what he does and the culture that they've established. I think that's, and this is someone who's gone on record and taken shots at the CrossFit brass <laughs> from behind a keyboard. And I can honestly say that's an unfair blanket statement to CrossFit. Oh, you I said it before I, think, I had the chance. I think it's a misconception. <laughs> it's well, a generalization think, is what yeah, it is. Yeah, take it's a generalization. Man, no, for yeah. sure. So it's absolutely a generalization. We do use, um, it's a very real feeling. So if you were to take a CrossFit class, you would see, it has to be at the, at the right facility. So there's, again, just like chiropractic, just like, Janitors. Anything else in life? Like Janitors. I don't hate there's, CrossFit. There's yeah. the record. There's, no, no, no. there's good yeah. and just there's the bad. shitty ones. And it's yeah, and it's how it's how it's delivered to you, right? Yeah. In an effective CrossFit class, you'll have good coaching. So it'll it'll be safe. It'll be entertaining. You know, you'll be engaged. You'll you'll feel like you're getting your money's worth from from whatever you're doing or your trust's worth for whatever you're doing. You're putting your trust in this individual, whether that's literal or or you know that monetary monetary whatever yeah. it is. This person here is to guide you through this experience, right? And it's not just you. It's you, a collective you. So say it's a group of 12 people. And, and what we're doing is we're all going through the same thing together. It could be, I don't, do you know who Rich Froning is? Yes. Yes. So it could be Rich Fittest Froning. man in the world two it, years ago, three years ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, could, it could be him in a room with the three of us. And uh, I don't know, my, my 
great aunt. I don't know. It doesn't matter who it is. Some 90-year-old lady, someone who's trying to lose 100 pounds. And we're all going through the same emotions, the same feelings in the course of this workout, right? And that's what builds the community. It doesn't matter who it is, what it is. It's maybe, you know, grandma over here is doing push-ups on the wall while Rich Froning's doing, I don't know, clean and jerks at six six million pounds. (laughs) It doesn't matter, um, but we're scaling it in a way where everyone's getting that stimulus that's appropriate for them. And then you you have this one relatable thing, not with, you know, me and Jordan did a CrossFit class together, so we have this one relatable thing. But it's, it's not with that person, but it's that cycle that you go through, that cycle of emotions in, in that span of an hour that not only you went through in that one hour, but every single person in every single CrossFit gym all around the world went through. So that's what builds the community is that we all have these very similar experiences, whether the details are changed or whatever. Uh, it doesn't really matter what it is. We went through that, that whole cycle and we, we do it again and again. So we have that kind of mutual respect for each other in that way. And this is what I feel is missing from the planet right now. As technology grows, as exponential technology expands your reach, I mean, you know, Prescript, you're actually serving people through the internet. So you're doing yeah. the good side of technology. Mm-hmm. But technology can steal. It can provide this kind of fake connection, I believe. Sure. Um, yeah. How do you guys see training progress in the next five to 10 years as tech grows, oh, as man. programs are out there? What kind of check-ins will we need? Like how many times per week will you actually as a movement professional need to see someone to keep them aligned through a program that they're also being accountable to online? I think it comes down and I'm really glad that we're touching on this because I think living in the Silicon Valley and being amidst of like the revolution in the biotech industry when it comes to tracking, right? A lot of these guys are like, fuck it, we're just going to give you a wearable and everything will be great. Thank you. It's not like that. <laughs> no, and I think too, it's... it. It, you know, you've spoken on the fact that maybe technology can reconnect us. It's a, it's a sword, man. It's a, it's a tool. It's a beautiful well, tool, but it can and, be abused. You can like live any and tool. die by mm-hmm. it, right? And yeah. I think for me, it's. I don't think it's able. The one thing that artificial intelligence will never ha- ever have is artificial emotion, right? It'll never. It'll never be able to. It'll replicate. never feel like we do. Yeah, like yeah. I've almost cried seven times in the last hour. <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking. That's because, that's because we're with wellness first. Yeah, right? but like talking about picking things up off the floor. Like yes. You see, like it seems so arbitrary and it's so silly, but it's like I feel like that the technology side of things is definitely overreaching, and it's giving people a false narrative of. Uh, of what it is to be healthy, what it is to be strong. It's like, I think we need, you talked about the Tensegrity model. We're working currently with um, some people on the back end of our, of of our website of just user experience and stuff. And um, one of our good friends, Mark uh, works uh, in robotics and they're, they're desperately trying to uh, be able to uh, machine this Tensegrity model into robots because when a robot, you know, surfaces Mars and it something breaks off, it doesn't have that compensation patterns that we have. Have That's you seen broken. the Boston Dynamics robot that we, can do a backflip? I just saw that this morning. <laughs> it blew my mind. Terrible. I was like, "Is this real life?" But you know, I can I can cut the blue wire. Exactly. Right. Or eventually, that thing's going to run out of power. Yeah. So the tensegrity for robots, I mean, is but, it possible? And it's the thing. That's what drives it. Is a battery. What drives Jordan when he's flown back and forth from Pennsylvania, was in freaking England, was about to go there, but then had to go back to Pennsylvania, but he still trained. 
When his battery was on empty, he still had more in reserve. Yeah, right? well, like, robots won't know how to love. You did that because you love what you do. Yeah, so I... Ro- robots don't understand that. I think it gives people... Because just as it can tell you like, oh yeah, this is optimal, which I think to me is a word in my space that I almost cringe when I hear. Uh, it's it's the core training of, of the biotech industry as it comes to buzzwords and sales. Optimization. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. to me, it's like, I think education has to be on the forefront. It's like, I can you can give me these metrics... I don't care. Like, I don't care what my HRV is. I don't care that I had three hours of sleep last night. We still, I mean, we made it happen. Like, we both worked out today, and I was, you know, I was gassed, but I think it's overcoming that is going to be the difference between optimal and maximal. And it's like, if, and then, you know, it, maybe it's not for everyone. Maybe people want to go home and sleep, but that, and then that comes back to the discipline thing. It's like, well, okay, you love that more. It's like, Come hell or high water, this is what I want to do. So back to the wearables. Go back to the robot too. Blend the the robot into your answer, please. I was fascinated. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just they'll never be able to do that, in my opinion. And who knows what they're able to. Every time I talk to Siri on the phone, because ninety percent of our correspondence <laughs> is me driving somewhere, talk texting into the phone. And yes. every time I look at the messages I send this guy, is like. Okay, maybe we're really far off. From, <laughs> how did you get this? Uh, uh, sorry, no, tell Jordan I'll be there in five minutes. Screw he you, wants Jordan. Cinnamon buns. Meet him at Ralph's. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. Yeah, I don't uh, know. It's just like uh, they're, so they're trying to do that because uh, obviously, if you you know you surface something on the moon, you want it to work, and if something breaks off, you want to be able to it to still be able to perform the task. But I just don't. I don't see it, man. I don't see a more intelligent design than this. And it's funny. One of my one of my clients that at Stanford kind of explained to me like the, the possible frontier of artificial intelligence in a really, in a way I've never heard it before. If you think about like evolutionary biology, if you look at like, you know, coming out of the sea and all that stuff, when the species really started to like sort of diverge away from that, you know, unicellular organism is when they got sight. And that's the frontier that I think we're on is that we're now going to open up another, a new sense almost, right? A sense that we're imperceptible to. And I just fear that it'd be at the loss of one of the senses we already have, externalizing something that needs to stay with us to keep us kind of keep us driving, keep the battery on even when the lights or even when the tank's on empty. The intersection of human evolution and exponential technology, I think six years ago, if you look at Moore's Law, they crossed to where human evolution, it's like an analog clock. It just kind of goes tick, 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 Mm. tick. But technology, as of five years ago, it's gone straight up like a hockey stick. So we've surpassed human evolution. And Einstein actually said that like a mark of intelligence is if we're able to see that we've surpassed with all our smartness and we've surpassed with all our technology and how intelligent we are. We still have to stay connected. True intelligence is staying connected to our humanity. Mm. When technology supersedes humanity and the race for technology is more important than us being an awesome human, then we're in trouble. And I think we are in trouble right now. And I also think that just through this conversation, you know, this will ripple out to tens of thousands of people. And there's going to be people that will possibly change their behaviors tomorrow because of what we're talking about. That's power, you guys. Like that's what we're doing here. And the intelligence aspect, you guys are educators, your chiropractors, your teachers, your movement coaches. If we're not educating, like what are we actually doing? If we're not helping people, if we're not giving people information that they can use, that they can take action on, why are we here? Mm-hmm. Now, that could be just my approach and my upbringing, whatever, but I'd love to kind of round out the show with this. This, How do we leave a mark on this world with our education, with our intelligence that we're teaching other people? You guys are doing it through Prescript. Is there any other ways that you're serving people for the Global Collective about movement, about health? Yeah. I mean, I think Prescript is our reach right now. That's, that's how we're making our splash, and it's 
you know, I guess what you're talking about is a legacy, right? What's what's our legacy are we going to leave behind? And that's, I mean, I, I'd like to feel the people I'm in contact with every day I can make a bigger impact on. Of course, it's a little harder online, but that's a bigger reach, right? So you can impact more people that way. But I love, I love one-on-one coaching. I, I work with a lot of people uh, throughout the week in my practice and in the CrossFit gym that my practice is inside. Uh, I have a great group of people. So it, if I can make any impact on them or reach that out and over the internet, use that to make someone else's life a little bit better that's what it's all about that's pretty cool that is pretty cool we live in a pretty cool time don't we (laughs) we have all these awesome tools where you can like take a module and ship it off to somebody in indonesia Mm. who has back pain that's pretty awesome yeah Uh, my grandpa didn't have that my dad didn't have that i mean he has it now but (laughs) he didn't have it back in the day what do you think about this learning edge of intelligence and spreading that as far as like legacy and what you want out of it and what's the mark and making the splash and it's like basically you say you just i think as far as maybe extrapolating out from what we're saying and what we're doing with prescript.com is like uh, Jordan, when he talked about it, the hair on his arm stood up, right? And that's just, that's passion, right? Find what you're passionate about. Let it take over. Let it, let it bring you to freaking Encinitas and, you know, sleep on a freaking uh, park bench outside a coffee shop. Cause you got three <laughs> hours of sleep last night. And, you know, again, cause you are trying to spread this, right? Yeah. Like, I, I and it wanna, doesn't always have to be like that, but sometimes it's okay that it is. Yeah. I just think like with what we're doing and what we're passionate about and like, we are at, and with technology diverging with human evolution, diverging with like the healthcare mess. It's like, we're at a crossroads where I think we're going to start to see, you know, people are going to start to live longer and they're going to live, they're gonna live healthier and better. I mean, it's one thing quantity of life is, is a number, but it's like, you know, put a feeling behind that number. And I think that's where we come in is I want people to be able to pursue something that if they sat down on this awesome little pillow in this, <laughs> in this, like, you know, across from you, I want them to be able to talk about pursuing something to the point where they're almost going to cry. Like that's, I mean, that to me is like, if you don't have that, like, and that's weird, that's a weird thing for me to even hear myself say. Cause it's like, you know, like, yeah, you, know, I don't, you don't cry, blah, blah. But it's like, no, man. People are going to see you after this podcast and they're going to be like, damn, I can't believe that guy had such an emotional range because I think there is a stigma about weightlifters. Oh, sure, yeah. Where they're just kind of like, they don't feel, like you even said, like you're not a big crier, but like you'll yeah. go there if you if you really get to, if you really can. Right. There is a stigma out there for people. How do we change this stigma about making a philosopher meathead something that's, you know, expounding and growing and, and evolving as strength and fitness really becomes so much more important in this world, man. Well, I mean, I think it's it's on par of changing all the stigma. I mean, I think what we're trying to do is really be on the leading edge of toppling, not toppling, but rearranging the hierarchy of, of healthcare. Honestly, I think that's mm-hmm. what we're doing. Like that's with what we have planned in 2018 with like, being able to take all these data points and there's companies that are already doing it for things, but they're, they're doing it for things that could actually be prevented by people being able to move better, to move with intent, to move with integrity, to be able to move often and always like Gluco is a major startup out of the Silicon Valley that, okay, maybe let's not allocate all our time to building a new pancreas. That sounds really hard. We have tens of thousands, millions of people living with diabetes. Let's gather all this information and make their life better. Like it's, I use the, uh, the self-driving car because my office is down the street from Google. So there's all these little things just buzzing around. If a self-driving car gets into an accident, all the other self-driving cars get better. They're able to take that data point and then teach everything else. And it's like, that's what I think that we're, we're attempting to do is do that with movement. So Gluco is, is doing this with, with diabetes, right? But 
diabetes by and large can be prevented I mean, type 2 anyways by yeah, movement. Yeah, type so, 1, I mean, the beta cells sure. are gone. Yeah, the genetic predisposition or, or however you want to look at it where it's like with type 2 diabetes and the other eight of the nine leading causes of death that can be prevented by movement, it's like, to me, a true healthcare practitioner is a mindful personal trainer. That should be your input. That should be your quarterback, right? And then be like, okay, you know, if you're not feeling well, then start to delegate out to the specialist, not have that portal of entry be at the very top. Because if your only tool is a hammer, everything's a nail. So, I mean, I really think that in pursuing our passion, we're, we're really trying to make, like when we you said the word legacy. I think that's that's really what I'm after is yeah. let's collect all these data points. Let's all get better at moving together. Everything else beneath that will start to slowly kind of fade away. I have two questions for each of you guys. The first one is around one of the, if you want to share the hardest, that's great too. One of the hardest things you've ever moved through as far as a threshold that you look back on and you can be like... That grew me so much. That one thing grew me almost more than anything. I'd love to hear what that one thing might have been. That's a thinker. Now, I mean, I could do it from a physical standpoint, no yeah, problem. Yeah. <laughs> you could like a workout or something. Yeah, but it doesn't I always have to be an injury. I mean, it could be anything. Right? Can we yeah. go too? Can we go yeah. like an emotional and a physical? Absolutely. Okay. Um, emotional, I just went through something. Oh, God, I'm going to cry now. It's fine, dude. <laughs> oh, dude. You're in a safe space right yeah, now. Yeah, no. Um, I, the death of my grandmother. It was, <laughs> it was hard to deal with. Um, she was she was like a second mother to me. It it was pretty recent, fairly recent. Um, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> it it was hard. But the thing that I remember is the love and and the lesson she's taught me. And I've realized that that she lives on within within me within those things that she's taught me over that time, right? So that's what helps me get through it is just realizing that she hasn't gone anywhere. Maybe physically she's not here, but but she she lives on within me. So that's a pretty cool thing to think about. <laughs> Can we go physical? To, yeah, yeah let's take back because I'm going to start crying. I, I just want to pause. I just want to pause. I just want to acknowledge you for having that much love and for having that be a fuel source for what you do. Like that's. I wish everyone was sitting in this room and I know they can kind of feel it anyways, but I just want to acknowledge you for that because that's what connects all of us. That's yeah. why you train hard. That's why you do what you do. We suffer because we see beyond the suffering is love. Yeah. So thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Can we go physical now? <laughs> Let's go Dude, physical. Go talk about your workout. <laughs> and he said he wasn't that much of a crier. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. So physical, it's, I think the hardest I ever went in a workout was uh, my first time on the floor as an individual regional athlete in uh, in the state of California through CrossFit. The workout was was called Randy. So for any CrossFitters, you may have heard of it. it probably not. It's actually kind of one that you wouldn't really know. They're usually a, named female names, right? Yeah. So yeah. so the the male names are typically called hero workouts. So oh, they're ones that are like Murph. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, you got it. You got it. So Murph. Randy is. One of the shorter hero workouts, but it's extremely painful if, if it's done the intended way. It's um, 75 power snatches at 75 pounds, which to anyone who, who does CrossFit, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I could do that. But the intent is to get it done as fast as you physically can. So there are guys doing this in like less than two minutes. <laughs> this is my first time out on the regional floor. And I wasn't, I wasn't the top of the pack by any means, but I was somewhere in the middle. And I was just going so hard. I remember just going so hard that my grip physically gave out on me. I couldn't hold on to the bar. They had you advance every 25 snatches. So I'm going. I see people pulling ahead of me. I'm like, I physically cannot go any faster. I'm like, my lungs are on fire. 
the worst part of the workout, so the way they arrange the workouts is after you finish, you have to run to a finish mat. And that's when you have like a little time tracker on your ankle and it okay. stops the time. So I got to run. I could not fully extend my legs because my hamstrings were cramped up so bad. And by the time I finally got to the finish mat, I just collapsed. And I could not move. I was physically sick because of this workout that I just went. But if you look at the workout, it doesn't have to be a hard workout. It's as hard as you make it. So I just put myself in that intensity period where it was just, I was going as hard as I possibly could where this 75-pound barbell just crippled me. So that's one that sticks out in my mind. Man. Definitely. That was, I could definitely see that struggle as you were explaining it. And it seems so ridiculous to those who are uninitiated to it, but it's yes. like yeah. locks, lock. It's, I mean, I get yeah, it. It's a weird concept. Yeah. When you think it's about like it. we said earlier, everyone's got their barbell. Yeah. Like yeah. That was, that for him, that was like, that was his barbell. Yeah. Take us yeah. home, man. Like, what's, Oh, I what's mean, your, I'm going to, I'm going to try and keep it a little lighter because I've, you know, I know I didn't think it was going to get that deep that quick. <laughs> we're going to have to Got like, weird. I don't know what we're going to do tonight, man, but we're going to, we have to talk it out. Um, yeah. No, for me, uh, I guess the emotional thing that's made me, that has changed me the most, you know, getting married a hundred percent, hands down, bar none. You learned like, so much about yourself in a relationship. Yeah. Holy and, shit. Man. Yeah. No, it's just like. <laughs> Right, it comes down to passion every single time. Regardless, I mean, that's the base of everything that you're going to pursue, everything that you're going to do. So, from you know, maybe oh, oh god, maybe I am going to start crying. <laughs> um, no, but I think from an emotional standpoint, as far as uh, like growing up or or getting stronger in that in that facet, hands down, bar none for me, it was being married to my wife for the past year from a physical. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, why would you do something so silly? And my, when you you talk about you know, what's your barbell? Yeah. Our barbell is our barbell, right? And that's, for me, yeah. it was... Figuratively. Um, yeah, yeah. My, my biggest squat to date is uh, 727. Um, for people listening, that's 727 <laughs> pounds. And how much do you weigh? Uh, so I compete at 242, 242. 242. So that's it's quite a bit more than you it's weigh. It's a then. three, it's like a three times body weight squat. But yeah, it was, if you ever see the video of it, maybe I'll, I'll text it to you one time. It's cool. I can watch it and see where in my head I was on the brink of losing consciousness numerous times. So like a squat <laughs> should take, I don't know, two seconds. I think all told from unrocking it, walking out and finishing the wrap, it was 15, 20. So like I, I hyperventilated into a discarded Chipotle bag and cried for 15 minutes after it. It was like, to me, it was like, People describe near death experiences like you see lights and it's like it almost started looking like an old home movie where you I just saw the <laughs> countdown like all the three, greeniness two, yes, yes. And it's like I, I honestly thought they grabbed the bar I, I thought they scooped me up but yeah that was so for me emotional the building strength the the wife wins every single time this has been such a great conversation you guys yeah. I had no idea we were gonna go to the places we went in this <laughs> and um, I'm just stoked to see what you're both gonna create in 2018 this has been super fun your mission is empowering people using movement as medicine and enabling you to pursue your passions Jordan and Jordan thanks for sharing with us so deeply and just so raw yeah. on today's show man super yeah, fun definitely. it's been a slice yeah. man this yeah. is thanks thanks having us, equally man. as unexpected a conversation yeah. <laughs> I think I don't think we were expected this yeah I don't think anyone could have predicted yeah, this no, where do people good. learn more about you Give us the uh, website and then we'll say bye. www.freescript.com. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to say we're the same time. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, so we good. Uh, so freescript.com. So that's uh, P-R-E dash uh, S-C-R-I-P-T. So pre-script.com. Yeah. Um, cool. Our podcast is RX Radio, RX yeah. Radio on um, on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, if you're in the Bay Area, uh, Santa Clara and Mountain View, California, Absolutely. stop in, say hi. 
Look up Jordan and Jordan. Also, we're going to talk about this with Ali, my co-host on the Wednesday Facebook Live. We'll talk about this the day after this episode comes out. And so maybe we'll invite you guys to the Facebook Live and you can answer questions for us around this physical and emotional, which we went so many different places today. Wicked. We'll keep you that in the loop. Did. Thanks for awesome. coming to my house. You guys. Awesome. Pleasure, dude. Thanks for having yeah. us. Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force community newsletter on that page, and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone, and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group, and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.